Welcome to The Way Church Service with Pastor John. We invite you to join us at 514 Smithfield Avenue in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. Shedding his blood for the forgiveness of our sins, becoming the final sacrifice for our sins. So we can have a new life, spiritual life, and a new purpose here on planet Earth for all who believe in the only one and only Son of God. Amen? We gather here to learn about our Creator and find our purpose here and use it to glorify God and to serve our Lord and Savior and one another. Our goal, this ministry has a goal, and that is for everyone to grow spiritually and start to handle life God's way, not our way. God's Word, which is the Bible, becomes the owner's manual to our lives. And we study it, read it, learn it, and apply it to see how God wants us to live, how to think, how to act, how to serve, and how to treat ourselves and others. Thank you, Jesus. Each part of this body is very precious to God. The body, many parts. We all need each other for this to function properly. We depend on God's grace, not our own power, to accomplish his will for our lives. Also, I want to say hello to our family who are watching from the live feed. We can't be with there this morning. If you'd like to worship with us, you're all welcome. We love you and thank you all for your continued support. And if you have a cell phone, can you please silence it so it doesn't disturb this morning's service? And we will bow our heads for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, our Lord and Savior Jesus, thank you, Lord, for giving us this beautiful day and this awesome opportunity this morning, Lord, to gather together to worship, honor, and glorify you, Lord, and learn more and more about you and become more and more like you, Lord, as we all struggle to put you first in our lives, Lord. Thank you for getting us here safely, Lord, and all your generous provisions that you provide for us each and every day, Lord. Let us see you in everything, Lord, in the good, in the bad, all the circumstances in our lives, realizing that it's all designed to change us into the image of your Son so we can glorify you and bring others into the kingdom. We say a special prayer for our little sister Giselle, Lord, that's not feeling well, that you touch her life and her body and heal her, Lord, and bring her back to us swiftly. Or if there's anyone else who's not feeling well that we don't know about, you do, Lord. And just put your spirit in them and reassure them you'll never leave them nor forsake them, Lord. And as always, let everything we do this morning be led by your spirit, Father, and not our flesh. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. All right, we're going to stand and worship the Lord and get started.
God of angels' arms is always by our side. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank God. If he's with us, who can ever be against us? Amen? He's for us. Thank you, Jesus. All right. What a beautiful day, beautiful song, beautiful people, beautiful church. Amen? I'd like to thank everyone for yesterday. The girls went out in their element shopping. Did an awesome job there. <laughs> and the guys, we all went golfing. Our brother Carl came in first. He won that thing for us. Good job, Carl. All I know is this I better stick to preaching. I came in last. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to make a living off golfing, that's for sure. <laughs> but it was all great fun. It was an awesome time. And we will do it again soon. That was awesome. Who says you Christians can't have good, clean fun? Amen? All right. That was a great time. All right. We are going to continue our message about obedience this morning. But first, we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4. And we are using the black Bibles in the pews. And I remind you, the Holy Spirit will be taken over as I go into these scriptures. So prepare your hearts and your minds to hear what the Spirit is trying to say to the church this morning. Amen? Okay. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. We are using the black Bibles in the pews. If you don't have your own, please help yourself to one. Wow, everybody's already there. Getting good here, huh? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Therefore, I, Apostle Paul, a prisoner for serving the Lord. Once the Lord gets his hands on a believer, we become a prisoner of him instead of a prisoner of sin. Amen? Prisoner for serving the Lord. Beg you to lead or live a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Oh boy. Always. Not just in church. Always. Be patient with one each other. There's another one. Making allowance for each other's faults. Why? Because of your love. 1 Corinthians 13, love. Make every effort. So that means it's going to take effort for us. To keep yourselves united in the spirit, as you all well as I know, that the flesh always tries to take over the spirit. So when we come to church and when we're not in church, we have to fight to let the spirit guide our hearts and our thoughts. Amen? Just as you've been called to one glorious hope, for there is one body. Well, let me get back up here. I'm getting ahead of myself. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body... One spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. Amen? The church, Jesus is the head of the body, and he's living through each and every one of us. One body, many parts. We all need each other to connect the body of Christ. All right, now go to verse 17. We're going to jump down a little bit here. I found some interesting scriptures that I'd like to share with you myself. In verse 17, 
clearly it tells us in Ephesians chapter 4. With the Lord's authority. Now the Lord's authority is speaking right now. I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do. For they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives. Because they have closed their minds. And hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Here's the Bible book, verse 20. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him. See, it's telling us that we learn the truth that comes from him. And look what it says in verse 22. Throw off your sinful nature and your former way of life. Take like a taking off dirty clothes and throwing them off in your former way of life in the way you used to live, which is corrupted by lust and deception. In verse 23, instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Now, it says let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. What would we use that in the context today? Let the Word renew your thoughts and attitudes. Can I get an amen for this? Let the Word, okay? Put on your new nature. So, you know when you take off the old clothes? You don't stay naked. You put on another nice clean clothes after you take a shower, right? So you read the Word of God. It cleanses us. We throw off our sinful nature and we put on our new nature through renewing our mind with the word of God. Right? So it says, put on, instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitude. Verse 24, put on your new nature, created to be like God. When you're born again, he says, you're created to be like God and become like Jesus. Truly righteous and holy. What's holy? It means separated. Separated from the lust and deception of the world. That's what it says. Truly righteous and holy. Now look at verse 25. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. For we are all parts of the same body. And look at verse 26. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Why? For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Can I get amen for this? He's quoting Psalms 4.4. You know it as well as I do. When you're angry and you go to bed and you sleep and you stay angry, you end up waking up with resentments and bitterness. So it says, clear that out before you go to bed. And what? Get right. Get rid of the anger and the bitterness so it doesn't grow inside of you to a root of bitterness. Can I get an amen for this? This is what God is commanding us to do. Don't sin by letting anger control you. So is it sin to be angry? No. It's a sin to let anger control you. You know what happens when you get angry and you start saying things? How it starts overtaking you. And you can't control what comes out of your mouth. At that point, you are being possessed by anger. And anger is what? A fruit of the devil. Now, let's keep going here. For anger, what it says, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Look at verse 28. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Oh, that's rocket science, right? Instead, 
Don't just stop stealing, go to work. Instead, right, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Do you remember the account of Zacchaeus? He was a taker, robbing all the tax money. When he found Jesus, he repented of that, and what did he say? If I took anything from anything, I'll repay them and give them four times more than what I had taken from them. That's what a true transformation is. That's what a change is. That's what repentance is. Stopping doing the old behavior and actually applying the new behavior. Can I get an amen for this? It's not just not doing it anymore. It has to be replaced with a new behavior. Something of God. Is everybody getting this so far? Look at verse 29. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. When you talk to people, do you talk life to people? Do you give them encouragement? Or do you bring them into the darkness and the dungeon and the hardships of life all the time and bringing all your problems before them and, bringing, and, and emanating darkness to them? Are you bringing light to them with encouraging words saying, don't worry, God's got your back. I go through that too. Don't worry, Jesus will take care of it. Hang any amen for this. We need to build each other up in this fallen world. Now, look at verse 30. And this is all about the message we're talking about. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. See it? By the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own. Or he has put his seal on you. You know, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Thank God our salvation isn't based on our performance. Amen? It's based on our belief. But you become what you believe. The Bible clearly tells us when the Holy Spirit enters into a believer, they become what they believe. And they start to become obedient to the words of God. Now, does that happen overnight? No. It takes time. But it eventually happens. We never become sinless, but we begin to sin less. Can I get any men for this? Because we start to do things God's way and not ours. It's truly a transformation. And that transformation takes place all the way till we go home to be with him. There's going to be some setbacks. But never that. We dust ourselves off. We get back up. Use his grace and his mercy to get back with him. Amen? We never stop and we never quit. Now look what it says in verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Now it's telling us to get rid of that. And in verse 32, it's telling us to replace it with something. So you just can't stop a behavior. It has to be replaced with something good or the old behavior will come back. Can I get amen for this? It's removal and replacing. It says, instead of that, instead of being angry and bitter and rageful and using hearts, words, and slander and being evil, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Big amen there, right? So what is he saying? Stop being angry and bitter. Instead, be kind to each other. How do I know that I'm growing spiritually? I'm starting to be kind to people. I'm starting to make allowances for their faults. I'm starting to be tender-hearted. I'm starting to forgive more. 
Then you see that I'm growing. There's some fruit being produced. Amen? That's how you can check yourself by how you're living and what's coming out of your mouth to see if you're genuinely transforming into his image. Can I get amen for this? Instead of looking at what everybody else is doing, we have to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. Wreck ourselves. a song. Right? Check yourself before you wreck yourself. What do Christians do? They we wreck ourselves and then we check ourselves. He's saying check yourself so you don't wreck yourself. Amen? Don't check other people. Check your own heart. See where you're at with this. Am I bitter always? Am I still full of rage and anger? Am I still using harsh words? Am I still slandering and gossiping about people? And am I still acting in evil ways? Or am I transforming? Am I starting to be kind to people? Am I starting to be tender-hearted to one another? Am I forgiving easier than I am for getting bitter? Right? Am I being more tender and more graceful to people? Then you know that you are growing and the Holy Spirit is working in you. Can I get any meant for this? Now I got one for you. Go to 2 Peter chapter 1. The Spirit is speaking this morning. Amen? Look, the Bible is very simple to understand when it's taught properly. Amen? I want us to go to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. And we have to realize that we cannot do that in the flesh. We can't get rid of it. You can go down on your knees with willpower and saying, God, I'm not going to be bitter today. I'm not going to be angry. I'm going to be tender. I, 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 I. We can't do it. That's why we need Jesus. We need a Savior. We can't save ourselves from them behaviors. Only He can. But are we giving it to Him and letting the Holy Spirit guard our thoughts and attitudes? Now, has God given us the power to live a Christian life? Absolutely. How do I know? Let's read the scriptures and prove it. Look at verse 3. By his divine power, this is supernatural divine power that the Lord gives us, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Can I get an amen for this? Everything that we need, we already have. We have to understand that. And how... Now... Here's the punchline, okay? This is the juicy part of this. How did we get this? You ready? I'm going to show you how we got this. We have received all this by coming to know him. Now, you have him when you believe. How do you come to know him? By reading the word of God, you come to know him. And by coming to know him, you get the divine power you need to live the life he calls you to live. We have to learn, we have to what? Come to know him. When you believe in Jesus, you have God. But you do not know God. You have him, but you don't know him and how you can, he can use you and transform you until you actually get in the Bible, start reading it, and see how he does it. From Genesis to Revelations. There's no shortcut. And if you can't read the Bible, this graceful voice will read it for you. You go on the website and you'll get to hear my gracious voice every day read the Bible to you. Can I get an amen for this? So I've given you every opportunity to learn about God and to get to know Him. So my hands are clear on that. It's up to you to make the choice to do it. I can't force you. You can lead a horse to water, you can't make him drink it. Amen?
I want you to read and drink the water of life every day. And I'm everything I, in my power to do to do that for you, I will. Because that's the power. Now it says, by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself, by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Now, look at verse 4. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. Now, what does it say? These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Now, you have to learn God's promises. It says these are the promises that enable us, his promises in the Bible, to share in his nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Now, what are God's promises? We passed our books on the promises of God. Those are the things that we hold on to to help us to use that divine power. Can I get an amen for this? It's the words of God that give us the power. But if you're not stored in your mind, you can't use that power when the days of evil come. It has to be stored. You have to remember it and bring it back to remembrance. Now let's keep going here. Look at verse 5. In view of all this, since we understand of all this, make every effort... Now, you have to make the effort to respond to God's promises. That's what, believe them and apply them, okay? Now, he's telling us to supplement this. Now, here's what he's asking us to do. He's telling you what he did. Now, he's asking us what we have to do. He does for us what we can't do for ourselves, but he doesn't do for us what we can. Can I get a big amen on that? We don't want lazy Christians getting spoon-fed for the rest of our lives. He wants us to do something. He says, supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. And moral excellence with knowledge. And knowledge with self-control. And self-control with patient endurance. And patient endurance with godliness. Verse 7, in godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. Let me ask you this. Do you love everyone? Everyone. I'm not talking about just the ones who love you. The Bible calls us to love everyone. Jesus loved everyone. You see that picture over there? Take a look at that picture. If you really get a good look at that picture, Jesus is holding up the man that's going to put the nails in his hands to put him on the cross. That's the kind of love he's asking us to do, to love our enemies like that. A perfect example of a Christ-like attitude. Can I get an amen for this? Amen. And he says, go and do the same. And can you do that in the flesh? Absolutely not. It will never happen in the flesh. But by his divine nature, we can accomplish that. Amen? You don't understand how much power you have till you learn about it. Now look what it says in verse 8. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying, by all your knowledge, you'll be productive with that knowledge and it will start producing fruit in your life. Amen for that, right? Now look at verse 9. Now here's the downside. The Bible book. But those who fail to develop in this way, and there's Christians that don't develop in this way, why? 
Those who fail to develop in this way are what? Short-sighted, right? Always in the moment, don't see the whole picture, or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. We have to remember, we are cleansed from our sins, so we no longer have to live in them, amen? When you forget that, you start living in them again. So, dear brothers and sisters, here's the punchline. Work hard to prove. Work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. So we have to really work hard at this to accomplish it. Can't get any men for this. That's not to get to heaven, but that's to become more Christ-like. Why he saved us. It's a hard thing to put our flesh away and live in the spirit. It's something that's very hard for us. Our flesh loves flesh. It loves to stay alive and want things. But he says, no, that has to die. And you have to start to want the things that I want for you. And I'm going to put them desires in your head, but I'm never going to take away your choices. You can still choose to do the wrong thing at any given time and forget that you've been cleansed of all that and forget all the promises he's given you. And how does that happen? When you stop coming to church, when you stop reading your Bible, when you stop fellowshipping with other believers, what happens? We start going backwards again. And even when we're in church, we can start going backwards by getting hard-hearted and closed-minded, saying, oh, I heard all this before. Why do I got to hear it again? Yeah, you heard it, but do you live it? But do you live what you're hearing? You're hearing it all the time, but are you doing anything with it? So you're going to keep hearing it over and over again, and somebody who's spiritual and growing welcomes the reminder. Because we need to get reminded. The ones who aren't growing, oh no, when's he going to change the subject? <laughs> I already know this. Yeah, you already know it, but do you do it? It's easy to know it. Do you apply it? That's the question. So we have to keep reminding you and reminding you and reminding you that it goes more beyond just learning about it. It goes to actually applying it. And then once you apply it, you say, well, I'm glad I heard that again because I was drifting. I'm glad I got back in track again. Amen? Can I get an amen for this? I'm here to help you, not hurt you. I'm here to build you up spiritually. Believe me, I'm here to kill your flesh. I'm up here to kill your flesh, not make it happy. Your skin's going to crawl. If you're hearing your flesh today, you're going to hate this message. But if you're hearing the spirit, it's like, oh, refreshment. Refreshment. My, my flesh has been taken over too much. It needs to get put back to sleep. Can I get an amen for this? And you welcome the message. Because it's good medicine for our soul. Because... Two things can happen to a believer when they're hearing messages like this. You could get bitter and get more harder and away from God, or you can get better saying, ah, I understand this now. He's given me the power to do this. I'm just trying to do it in my power, not his. Now I have to do it by his power. I have to transform and use the spirit. Can I get an amen for this? Thank you. And it says... So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has chosen. Now look what it says. Do these things that I just told you, and you will never fall away. So, if you don't want to fall away, these are the things you have to do. So, what do you do? You mark 2 Peter chapter 1 down, 
And you say, these are the things I need to continue to do so I don't fall away. Can I get an amen for this? You have to know where to go when you need it. I can remind you, but you have to go here yourself when you're not here. That's why it's so important. Obedience is so important. That's why I'm talking about this. Are you with me so far? Yeah. All right. I do this because I love you. Believe me. I'm not here to make you feel better. I'm here to kill your flesh and make your spirit alive. And enjoy life. God's way, not the world's way. Can we still have fun? Yeah, we had a great time golfing yesterday. I'm sure the women had a great time shopping. That's for sure. <laughs> When does a woman not have fun shopping? <laughs> but it's a great time of fellowship. And look, walk with like-minded people. It's hot out there. When you walk around with unbelievers, they try to drag you back into the world's ways of thinking. So it's so much better when you have an opportunity to fellowship with Christians that are walking and growing and going in the right direction so you can strengthen your faith. Amen? Every chance you get, you should be doing that. But people put other things in front of it. When the opportunities come and they miss out. But it's not okay. God's not mad at you. But you miss out on growing and fellowshipping with other believers because there's going to come a day when we're not going to want to go out there anymore. That's how bad it's going to get out there. You're going to want to be with your brothers and sisters more and more because it's going to get darker and darker out there. God's preparing us to get along together now because the time's going to come when it's going to be hard to get along out there. You're going to be busting the church door down to come in here. That's how hard it's going to get for godly living Christians who want to live right. They're going to want to get to church more than ever because it's so corrupt out there. Always trying to drag us back into the world again. Can I get amen for this? All right, go with me to James chapter 1 now. We're going to continue our obedience message, as always. James chapter 1. I'm going to get there myself. I'll go with you here. This way I get everybody a chance so I don't get too far ahead of you. All right. Look at verse 2. I'm going to jump around here. So we're just staying in James right now. I'm going to talk a little bit and go in here. It tells us about faith and endurance. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way. It didn't say if. You see what it said here? When. When troubles of any kind come your way, trust me and believe me as a Christian, troubles are going to come your way. Don't think you're going to escape that. God simply gives us the power to handle them properly. Consider it an opportunity for great joy. What? How can troubles bring joy? Look at it says in verse 3. This is why. For you know, see, here's coming to know him again. Here's where coming to know him comes in. If you don't know these things, you will not have joy in troubles. It says, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, 
needing nothing. You get it? You won't need anything once you start maturing. You'll be comfortable where you are. You're not always reaching for other things. You're content. It says godliness with contentment is great wealth. Because we didn't bring anything into the world and we can't take anything with us. So be content with where you're at. Instead of always reaching, reaching, reaching for bigger, better, more. There's always discontentment in that. But when you're a Christian and you're growing, you can just sit and relax, go to church, all the boring stuff that people call church. That's boring. What do you do? Go to church. It's so boring. No. When you're content and complete, you're comfortable with boredom. Boredom is what you want. You want peace. Nothing going on. Not reaching. Not looking for the next new gadget. Not looking for the next vacation. Not looking for anything but staying in the moment and just enjoying it. Amen. Never knowing if tomorrow's going to come anyway. Get it? That's what I'm saying. That's what, that's what spiritual growth will do for you. All the things that you're trying to get out there won't do it. It's only learning the word of God and renewing your mind. Coming to know him is what will do it. And what do people do? The last thing they do is read the Bible and come to know him. They put it last instead of first. Who has to come first, God said? Me. Once he comes first, everything else falls into place. Put him last, everything before him crumbles. And everything in front of him comes, falls apart and makes you miserable. People just don't put the time in to come to know him. Because it takes a lot of work and a lot of time to come to know God and to apply his word into your life. Can I get an amen for this? It takes time. All right, so let's go to verse 19. Listening and doing. Understand this. Now, here's something we have to understand. Can I get an amen here? You have to understand this. Is everybody going to understand this? No, I'm going to tell you what we need to understand. You must be quick to listen, slow to speak, not the other way around. Not quick to speak and slow to listen, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Why? Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires or the fruit God desires. Look at verse 21 again. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly, listen to what it says now, humbly accept the, the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. See it? Now look at verse 22. But don't just listen to God's word. Now when they put me on the podcast, don't just listen to it. You're going to listen to it. Yeah, but what does it say after that? You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. What does that mean? All right, I'm going to get my time in. I'm going to listen to Pastor John's podcast. Yep, I got it. I listened to it. And then what? Go about your day and forget what you heard. You're not doing what it tells you to do. You're just hearing it. You're not becoming it. You're only fooling yourself. If you think you put your religious time in, thinking that's going to change and make you grow, you're only fooling yourself. The only time it's going to work, you must do what it says, or you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. 
you see yourself, walk away and forget what you look like. That's like going in the mirror, getting this big, whatever, it's a booger or something there, right? You see it, there's a stain of on there. You see it, but you don't wipe it off and walk away. You know that you're doing sinful things. You know that they're there. You hear the word of God. He tells you to do it. What do you do? You walk away from it and don't apply it. That's what it's saying. Can I get an amen for this? All right. Now, listen up. I'm just getting warmed up. <laughs> you got it? Getting this? Listen now. Surveys among Christians have shown that there is no significant difference between the lifestyle of church-going evangelical Christians and people who are totally reject Jesus Christ. Their morality, social beliefs, and behavior are basically the same. To get a head full of knowledge about God's word without obedience to God's word is deceiving ourselves. If we don't apply God's word to the way we live, our life in our life, it defeats God's purposes for giving us his word. Jesus said to profession believers who were living an ungodly lifestyle, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Matthew 7, 23. People who live a greedy and ungodly lifestyle will not enter into the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 10, Ephesians 5, 3 to 5, and Galatians 5, 20 to 21. For the Lord knows the way of righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Psalms 1 to 6. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word, He's like a man observing his natural face in the mirror like we just read. The word of God is like a mirror. This is the mirror. It shows humanity how sinful we are. Romans 3, 9 to 20. God's word exposes our pride, our deceitfulness, our lusts, our self-centeredness, our contempt for other people, our lack of compassion, our anger, ungodly speech, and our other ungodly characteristics. We read, listen, and study God's word, but too many times we become forgetful hearers and our lifestyle isn't any different than unbelievers. If you can't say amen, say ouch. Thank you. Let's be real in this church. <laughs> James is talking about professing Christians who don't make God's word a priority in their life. They don't consider God's word important. Why? Jesus said the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word and they become unfruitful. Matthew 13, 22. Power, riches, greed, worldly pleasures, and toys are their passions and they don't have time for a close relationship with Jesus Christ in his word and they neglect the priority of eternal life in God's heaven are we getting this so my question is to you when you leave the church 
Are you just like the way you came when you walked in? Or are you changing when you're out there? Are you still reaching for worldly desires, greed, lust, all the things that the flesh wants? Or are you starting to put that stuff down and starting to understand what's really important in life? That's the question. Are you just coming to church, getting your message, and leaving and doing your thing? And obeying what the Word told you. You're hearing it today, but are you going to live it today? Are you going to say, what's more important? What I got to do later? Or becoming more like Jesus? That's the question. Or am I just playing church? Putting my time in at church so I can go about my day after. Oh, I put God first today. I went to church for an hour. Now the rest of the day is mine. No. The rest of the day is not yours. The rest of the day is his. The rest of the day is his. Is he still going to be circulating in your mind when you leave here? Or you just can't, oh, I put my time in, I'm done. Okay? But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, James 1.25, which means to stoop down, humble oneself, examine with care and precision, and thoroughly understand God's word, Jesus Christ lived a perfect life according to God's law, and he died as the perfect sacrifice for the sins of the world and fulfilled God's law. When we sin, we ask for forgiveness, and we are forgiveness, right? 1 John 1, 9. Lord, I blew it. Forgive me. Confession and repentance it should be a Christian's way of life. Confession and repentance should be a Christian's way of life. We should be on our knees daily confessing where we're wrong and turning from that behavior towards him. That's a Christian's way of life. That's what a genuine Christian should be doing with their life. Now, is there a lot of so-called Christians out there? There's millions of them. I believe in Jesus. Guess what? So does the devil. Believe, the devil believes that Jesus is the Son of God. He's not going to heaven. The Bible says, prove by the way you live that you have turned from your sins and accepted Jesus in your life. <coughs> prove it by the way you live. Can I get an amen for this? That's why it's so important. And I'm not going to give you fluffy, warm messages. I'm here for a reason. To help you become like Jesus Christ. That's what my goal is. And that's what my job is. And that's what I'm going to do. Amen. I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear. Oh, give me my message so I can go have my beautiful day. Oh, Jesus, give me, give me, a, new, give me a brand new house. Get these people out of my life. They're in my way. He put them people in your life to get you to him. And you're trying to get rid of them. Every person that rubs you the wrong way, God put them there. Either to transform you, to change you, or to bring them into the kingdom by the way you live a different way. That's why they're there. Instead of saying, oh, if, I only got, if they were only out of my life, things would be so much better. You really think it's the person that's making your life that way? No, go look in the mirror and you're seeing who's going to make your life that way. It's not people. It's your perception. When you perceive things God's way, everything's good. It doesn't matter what it is. 
Because you know that God put it there. Everything in your life God puts in front of you. Now, I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, help us to give up on doing things our way. Which is, for the most part, contrary to your word. For we put forth much effort in giving into attitudes that deny us blessings from the Lord. I do desire, trust the Holy Spirit to help me to make wise choices in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, when obedience brings blessings, now is there a good side to being obedient? Oh, there's a wonderful side to being obedient. God will shower down blessings on you in your obedience. God blesses us out of his goodness and faithfulness. He loves us and wants to give us good gifts. But more often than not, there's a link between obedience and blessing. Okay? We don't have to look very far to see the principle unfold in the Bible. Already in the garden, Adam and Eve's blessings were based upon their obedience. They had one single rule to obey. And the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Genesis 2, 16, 17. They had access to everything they could ever, ever want. But they refused to obey God's command and therefore missed out on most of his blessings. One tree they couldn't have, right? The Garden of Eden was so vast and lost and beautiful. Who cares about that one tree? You see us in nature, how bad it is? That one thing we can't have, we want that. All the other stuff, oh, I already have, I want that thing. That God told me I can't have. Just imagine what they, do you understand what the Garden of Eden looked like? It was humongous. It was lush plains of everything that anybody could ever want and desire in their life. No sin. There was nothing. It was bliss. He says, just don't eat that one tree and everything's going to be fine. They couldn't do it. That's how sinful humanity is. They had access to everything they could ever wanted, but they refused to obey God. Obeying God amidst uncertainty can be very difficult. I've got to admit that. It really is. You know when we live in uncertain times and not understanding how he works, being obedient to him gets very hot. Can I get an amen for this? Let's get real now. Let's come back down. Let's get back down to earth here with this. It's easy to obey God when things are going good. But through uncertainty and adversity, it's very hard to become obedient because we think we can handle it a better way. So all of us are in the same boat right here. Okay, I'm not, I'm not saying this because I'm any better, because I'm not. I struggle with this too. We all struggle with this. This is what Christian, this is being a Christian is all about. You don't know what's next if you let go of your past and your old ways of thinking, break off a relationship, move to another place, leave your job, or whatever else God is calling you to do. It hurts because he's refining you. All right, last scripture before we close. Isaiah chapter 1. I can't believe the time goes by so fast here. Wow. 
Isaiah chapter 1, look at verse 19. Bible if. Isaiah, prophet, talking to the... If you would only obey me, talking, God speaking, you will have plenty to eat. But, look at verse 20, if you turn away and refuse to listen, you will be devoured by the sword of your enemies. I, the Lord, have spoken. Here it is right here. If you'll only obey me, you'll have plenty to eat. What's he saying? If you obey me, everything's going to go well for you. No matter what's going on, I promise you it will. I know the whole picture you don't. Whether it looks bad or not, just obey me and it will get better. Right? And then it says, but if you turn away and refuse to listen to what he's saying to obey me, you will be devoured by the sword of your enemies. I, the Lord, is strong. Who's our enemy? The flesh is our enemy and so is the devil. We'll be devoured, we'll be overtaken by the flesh again if we refuse to hang in there and, and wait and listen and obey him. And get amen for this. Because on the other side of your obedience awaits freedom and blessing. On the other side of all this, when you start to grow spiritual, there's freedom and blessing there. Doing the right thing will fill your heart with joy and peace. Sometimes you feel it right after making a tough call. At other times it takes a while until the good fruit of your right choice becomes visible. If you're deciding to obey God in the big and small things, you're in good company. Jesus obeyed God. Ruth obeyed God. Noah obeyed God. I could give you countless examples in the Bible of God-fearing people who obeyed God and got blessed. Because Jesus was obedient, he's now sitting at the right hand of the Father, Romans 8.34. Because Ruth was obedient, she got married to Boaz, an honorable and God-fearing man. She found herself a good man. Because she was obedient and waited on God. Look at, uh, because Noah obeyed God and he and his family were saved from the flood. Imagine, a hundred years building an ark in the desert. He stayed obedient because if he didn't, what would have happened? He would have drowned with the rest of them. But because he did that, him and his whole family got saved from the flood. Through their obedience, they not only got blessed themselves, but they played key roles in the purposes of God. Jesus defeated the dark forces of this world and conquered sin and death so that we could get saved. Ruth is mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus and therefore was an ancestor of the great Messiah. Through Noah, mankind continues to exist. These were just a few of countless examples in the Bible. We're not only obeying God to get blessed, but to fulfill God's greater purposes here on earth. Generations are influenced by our obedience. Our children and our children's children are shaped by our obedience. Obedience isn't just a one-time thing that we do concerning the big decisions of life. No, it starts with small things. The things we do on a daily basis that may seem insignificant. What we do when, when no one is watching matters. Seeking God's will daily, spending time with Him, and obedience should be our pattern or our way of life. Now get an amen for this. Amen. There are so many things in your life that God wants to bless you with that are closely connected to your obedience. 
Will you do the effort to seek him today and ask him for direction? Are you reading the Bible to know his will in every situation? Do you let him shape your heart to love as he does? You'll find everything you could ever want and need when you surrender to your life to God and obey him. Matthew 6.33 tells us, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, obediently, and he will give you everything you need. Nevertheless, we can't neglect that God blesses us out of his grace and goodness alone. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, man. We can't manipulate God into blessing us, but to enjoy the fullness of our salvation, it is a biblical principle that he blesses us more when we obey him. Luke eleven twenty eight, last one. Jesus replied, but even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. Big amen there, right? All right, we're going to close there. Thank you for letting me share that message with you. I'm going to call the ushers to come up to take up the collections. We're going to stand, worship the Lord, and close.
the match. We took the fall and thought of all of us. Right? Above all. Dave, you want to come up and close us? If we can bow our heads. Lord Almighty God in heaven, you send a voice in the wilderness saying to us all, Prove by the way that you live that you repented and turned to Christ. And such show the message continues to this day. Even so in the Old Testament, you cried out saying, I do not want your sacrifices. I merely wanted you to be faithful. My Lord, let us be that very faithfulness that you want us to become. Yes, Lord. Help us to obey you, Lord, and submit to your will, Lord. For that's what you want in our lives. You want our heart. You don't want external actions, because anyone can do them. You want our heart. You want our changed heart, a new life that you promised us, Lord. So I pray, Lord, forgive us if we ever put anything before you, Lord. Help us to remain faithful. Help us to remain truthful and always honest to you, Lord. Help us to grow in faith and knowledge of your will for us, Lord. In such maturity, we cannot do on our own, Lord. That's why we need to submit to you. That's why we need you the most. And Lord, I pray, every trial that comes before us, Lord, let that faith grow in us. Let us trust you more, Lord, each and every single day. I pray for these things. In the name of your Son, amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, David. All right, the service is over. As always, have a great day. Until we meet again, God bless.